Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. Tonight's going to be awesome. We are so stoked that you are here tonight. Um, we are finishing up. We are wrapping up our four-week series. Man, I hated not having church last week because of the stinking snow. Anybody else hate not having church? Yes. And, uh... Yeah, we're going to finish up this series tonight, and it's an incredible honor to, to preach this message because I don't know how much I want to pull the curtain back right now, but man, canceling church actually hurt my heart as well. But God is so awesome, and He is often so much more in control when, when we actually submit our lives to Him and, and we listen to Him, and the way He just orchestrates things is absolutely mind-blowing, and I really believe that the message that I have for us tonight that He gave me is, it was not for last week. Last week was, it was not for last week. It was for this night, for this purpose. This is not a recycled message. This message was ordered for tonight, so I want to encourage you to take out your notes. I want to encourage you to dig in. I want to encourage you to get behind the Word because our God has has something to say to us tonight. Does that sound good? Yes. Fantastic. Well, we're in a series called Peaks and Trenches. Somebody say Peaks and Trenches. If you're new with us, Hills and Valley is so 2018. It's Peaks and Trenches in 2019, fam. It's Peaks and Trenches. It's ridiculous. A little bit of homework check. Week, uh, week one, what was the title of our message? My hallelujah, absolutely. We're uh, we took a look at the things in life that when we're in the trenches, when we're going through, whether it's whether it's mountain peak high or trenches and valleys low, that nothing has the right to take away our hallelujah because our hallelujah is contingent upon what Christ did on the cross for us, not what the world says, not what culture says, not what happens to you, not the job that you lose, not the divorce that you find yourself going through. Whatever your situation or circumstances is, you have a hallelujah that needs to be lifted up. And you have a hallelujah that means yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You have a hallelujah that goes beyond your circumstances or situation and God moves on the other side of your hallelujah. Is that good? So week two, what was... Extremely loud and incredibly close. Yes, it was far better than the Tom Hanks movie, just so you know. If you weren't with us, check out the podcast. It's way better. That was a boring movie, Timmy Hanks. Come on. I am really excited for uh, Toy Story 4. But... Extremely close, or uh, extremely loud and incredibly close. We took a look at, man, when you are in the trenches of life, when you are just going through it, culture is loud. Things are vying for your attention. The world is loud. The circumstances you find yourself or you find yourself in, in the situation you find yourself in are loud. There's things around you that are just making so much noise that oftentimes we find ourselves not being able to hear the voice of God. But we looked at Elijah and how God wasn't in the thunder and God wasn't in the storm and God wasn't in the fire that went by. He was in the quiet, still, whispering voice that was so close to you we found out. Incredibly close because he whispers because he's close and he's always with you and you have that available to you in the trenches and on the peaks high. Does that sound good? Then week three, just to reiterate, we had trench warfare, brilliant message brought to us by our only, only, uh, our very own, the Bishop, Scotty Flexer, I mean Fletcher, sorry, Scotty Flexer, uh, Fletcher, he's a personal trainer on, uh, 
We're raising him up in the way he should go. Scott's amazing, but he, he preached an incredible message about not being complacent in our trenches, complacent with what has happened to us and in the circumstances around us, but finding a way like Paul did to be content even when we find ourselves in jail, content even though we find ourselves going through a storm, content in every season knowing we're only content because we know our God is above it and the storms and the trenches and the prisons are still below his feet and he still has a plan for our life. Amen? So Scotty Flexer crushed it. And uh, tonight, the title of my message is this. Who's taking notes? Where's my people going to heaven? A lot of heaven goers tonight. It's good. Some of you guys need to catch up. Uh, but tonight, the title of my message is this. It is called All the Way Up. All the Way Up. After you write that down, would you just turn and tell three people around you that I am all the way up? Great theologian Fat Joseph once said, nothing can stop me, I'm all the way up, so. Well, glad you're in church. So, we're having fun tonight. It's going to be good. Speaking of all the way up, I felt like it was only fitting that we go back to the Old Testament. Somebody say, OT. We go back to the OT and we take a look at David. Does that sound good? Alright, it's going to be up on the Big Bible if you don't have one. If you do have one, coming out of 2 Samuel 7, 18 through 22. Y'all ready for this? Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? What is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord, for there is none like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. How good is that? Man, there is, a, there is another message that is not happening tonight that is found in verse 21. Because of your promises and according to your own heart, you have brought about all of this greatness to make your servant know it. Let me put T.O. on this message real quick. You're going to have greatness that's going to come over your life because you are a son and you are a daughter of the Most High God. And the greatness that he's going to bring into your life is so you can simply know. It's not by your own talents. It's not by your own ambitions. It's so that you can know that he loves you. Sound good? Sweet. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is no one like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. We're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get into it. Sound good? First, I need a little, I need a little water. Jesus, we just thank you so much for tonight. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of worry, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of fear, in the midst of changes, in the midst of this beautiful thing that you have spoken to existence called human life, God. 
We know that you're here. We know that you're close. We know that you have a plan. And we know that your gifts and calling on our lives are irrevocable, Jesus, and that you are a God that is here for the journey, Jesus, and you are going to see us through to be transformed in your likeness, Jesus. And so, God, we just ask that as this word goes forth, as this night continues on, God, you would have the last word. God, you would have the final say that, God, you would be above everything that happens in our lives from this night forward. We trust you. We love you. We lay it all down at your feet right now, God. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, Amen. Amen. Man, all the way up. That sounds good, doesn't it? Is there anybody in here tonight, by show of hands, that you would love to be all the way up? Yo, there's some mediocre people in this church right now, and that's not okay. Is there anybody in here tonight that would say you would love to be all the way up in life? I made a joke about it, but it's because we have a good relationship going, good rapport. But honestly, I, I reckon if I was to have coffee with each and every single one of you, which I would love to do, uh, sometime, maybe, in the future, 2018. Um, see, no, but none of y'all got what I did. Like, that was on purpose. So, if I was to ask you, if I was to sit down with you, if we were to have a conversation, if we were to talk about life, I don't reckon for a second, I don't think for a second that there would be anybody in here that would say, you know what? I don't want to be up. You know what? I want to settle. I don't want God's best. I would prefer God's less. I don't think I'd hear that. I don't think I'd hear anybody in here that would say, you know what? I want to be mediocre. I just want to work a nine to five. I just want to, you know what? Pay my bills, come home, Netflix, and chill and do my thing. I don't think I'd hear that. Because there's something put on the inside of every single human that was birthed over you, called over you, prophesied over you, spoken over you, put inside of each and every single one of us that you were born for greatness. A lot of churches and a lot of theologians, a lot of people have a problem with that statement simply because, well, if everyone's great, then no one's great. That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry, were you and I not created in the image of God and is God not great? How great is our God. I'll leave that to Rusty. Contrary to popular belief with the denim jackets in the room and the fun haircut, you can come as you are. You don't have to look like me. It's fine. Everybody. But a lot of people would have a problem with that statement, but I don't. I truly and am emphatically convinced, forcefully convinced, I am overthrown with conviction that every single person in here, man, woman, infant, or child, wherever you find yourself in this life, God has called you by name. He has ordered your steps. He has a plan and purpose for each one of your lives. And it's greatness. It's not mediocre. It is not settling. It is not a mediocre marriage. It is not a mediocre career. It is not a mediocre bank account. It is not a mediocre car. It is not a mediocre existence. And no, this is not a message on finances. No, this is not a message on your best life. And no, this isn't a message on how God wants everyone in here to have a Lambo. That's not what I'm saying. Although, yes, Lord, we would all take a Lamborghini because we would sell them, we would tithe, and then we'd all retire. It's great. Lamborghini, mercy. So Jesus, he went to the cross so that every single one of us could live a life that was all the way up. 
doesn't mean that we won't have trench seasons. doesn't mean that we won't go through valleys low. That doesn't mean that death won't come to our home, that things won't visit us. But it does say that you and I have a position. Ephesians actually says that simultaneously right now, while we are going through it, we are still seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. You are right now all the way up. But that's not just for a supernatural idea. That's not just for a circumstance. That is for a physical and natural situation. And so again, I reckon, if I was to ask every single individual in here tonight, do you want to be all the way up? I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, every single individual in here, no matter your set of circumstances or how good or bad life is right now, you would say, yes, I want to be all the way up. So that's why I want to start with David. You see, because David, in the second Samuel over here, David, man, David's a guy. And we're going to get into it tonight because we're going to look at David and it's not going to be so glamorous. It's not going to be the best parts of David's life. It's probably going to be the parts where God does the most in David's life, where, where God makes his grace and his mercy apparent in David's life. But right here in this verse, we see David. And in this chapter, if you don't know, he just became king. He was just crowned king. So in this verse, he is like, yes, yeah, man, I made it. The promotion is mine. I am done beating up lions. I am done killing bears. And I am done looking at semi-nude giants and throwing stones at their head. I'm out the fields. I'm no longer on the front lines of the battles. It's true. Semi-nude giant. Check it out. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. Heaven. Same Goliath. It's weird. He's at the front lines of the armies. He's been running for his life before he got to this point. He ends up marrying the daughter of the king that he actually replaces. David has lived a life. He was the runt of the litter of his brothers. He has been spending his day in the fields playing harps and cleaning poop out of the sides of sheep. David, from a young age, he had this prophesied over him that he was going to be the king to replace Saul. And so finally, finally, his dreams came to fruition. It was realized. It was attained. He had it within his grasp. It finally manifested in his life. Gone were the days of the come up. Now he's the boss. He's the guy. And so in this situation, he is, he's like, bro, I'm all the way up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you brought me here. You are so good. You are so faithful. You've been speaking this over my house for so long, God, just to show me how good you truly are. Not because I'm the best to lead. Not because I'm the most fit or the most qualified. Not because of this, this, and this. But because you have said this about me, you did it. I'm all the way up. So David's stoked. And I love this because David, if you know, he's, he's been known as a man after God's own heart. I mean, he wrote a lot of the psalms that we drive worship songs from and, and that we love to quote and we get really cool, cute tattoos about. And like, he wrote a lot of those, you know? And he is awesome. David is the guy who said that, you know what, Lord? I'm going to dance in my undies. I don't care because it's for you. It's my form of worship. And I'm going to get even more undignified as this. That's a threat saying you don't want to see it. David is a man after God's own heart. But if you know anything about David's story, it's, it's up until this point that he's been on the right track. Oh, no, 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 I'm the runner, I'm the little guy. 
I got these big brothers. They're hulks. They're beefy. They're the muscle hustle of the day. They are, the guys are huge. And you know what? Nope, God passed over them. It was me, the little guy, out here playing a harp. I'm going to be king. And so guess what David did when he had a destiny spoke over his life? Probably what all of us look like when we hear that we have a call and a plan over our lives. You know what? We start seeking God. We start going after him and we start going, okay, you know what? Um, I'm not going to be king yet, but I'm going to do well with these sheep because that's what's asking me right now. And when danger comes, you know what? I'm going to kill that lion. I'm going to kill that bear. And when that giant comes, you know what? I guess God wants to use me. I'm done being errand boy, running for some sack lunches. I'm going to take that semi-new giant out and I'm going to be faithful to my God. That's what we'd all do, right? The second we find out that we're alive in Christ and dead to sin, the second we find out that we have a call of God on our lives, that we're here for more than meets the eye. So David, he does all these things and he ends up getting a place in the house and ends up being on the front lines of the armies and ends up going out and just killing people left and right, taking land. And eventually... He's on the run and there's some other stuff that goes down because the king Saul actually wants to kill David even though he knows David is a prophesied one to be king. He goes, yo, his influence is outweighing mine. He has more people in his army than I do. I'm not good with this because I'm not ready to be dethroned. I'm not ready to not lead. You know what? The crown is still on my head. I'm still king. I'm still on the throne. Kill David. He ain't taking over nothing. Get him. And David goes on the run. So here we find David. He's finally at the top. You know what's funny about the top, though? Calling will get you to the top. It will. Talent, that'll get you to the top. Money, money will get you to the top. And ambition will get you to the top. All of these things will get you to the peak. But all of these things cannot keep you at the peak. You see, talent will get you in the door, but character will keep you in the room. Here's one. Calling will get you in the conversation, but conviction will give you a voice. That's a word for our generation if I've ever heard one. Calling will get you in the conversation, but your convictions will give you a voice. Amen? Some of us tonight, we need to go home. We need to borrow our girlfriend's lipstick, take it back with us. Or if you're a girl, you need to use your own lipstick. And you need to write that on your bathroom mirror. And you need to read that every single day because God is looking for a generation of Christians. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in church, or what's going on in your life. You have a call of God in your life. And it's going to get you in some conversations. It's going to get you into some rooms. But your conviction is what is going to see that through. Your conviction is what is going to keep you on track. Your conviction, like David had, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to kill it, I'm going to slay it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to honor my God, and I'm going to go through every single thing that comes my way. I will take as many heads as I have to. I'm going to honor my God. I'm going to fight every battle I have to because I have not only a calling, but I have conviction. So these things will, will get us to the top, but they won't keep us at the top. So here's the funny thing, right? Here's the, here's the great uh, discrepancy between trenches and peaks. Trenches... The devil doesn't really have to work a lot, doesn't really have to work hard at all when you're in the trench. He doesn't. Now, if you're in here tonight, you're new with us, I want to let you know that there is a very real enemy. He is the devil. We do believe in him. We also believe that he was beaten with the cross with Jesus, and he, his fate is sealed and delivered. But right now, as he rules, he is coming for your head. But I do believe that you are equipped to put him in his place time and time again and to experience victory time and time again in this earth. But see, for David, for when you're in the trench... The devil doesn't really got to work. 
It's not very hard because you're already on your knees. You're already bruised. You're already beaten. You're already bloodied. You're already angry at yourself. You're already angry at God. You're already upset with the circumstances. You start a new job. You know, we live in paycheck to paycheck, and then your car goes out. You're already down the dumps, and you're wondering where God is. We find ourselves in the trench. Did you know what David, or the devil, sorry, hasn't actually got to work that hard. Because he just has to go back to the trench where he left you and, and just check to make sure your body, you might, have a, you might have a pulse, you might have some breath in your lungs at the moment, but he just needs to make sure that you're still down. So he might just send a little kick, a little doctor's visit, a little friend might betray you, somebody might say ill things about you at work, and it's just like, you know, you just haven't had a chance to get back up. You've been trying to climb, you've been trying to go, you've been mustering up your faith, you've been at church every single day, you've been tithing a lot, you've been doing your thing, you've been trying to stir up your soul for some hope. And the devil, he doesn't have to put a lot of effort into you because he already has you where he wants you, so he just gives you a little touch and he kicks you over off your knees again as you've been trying to help yourself back up. He puts you back down. That's a trench. When you're at the peak, when you're at the top, this is what David should know or should have known, and this is what you and I need to know. When you're at the top, the devil's coming straight for your head. When you're up here, the devil has a plan. He has a purpose. The Bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion. It's funny that it makes that discrepancy there because we know we have a lion. We have a lion of Judah. His name is Jesus, and he is a real lion. But the devil just acts like a lion. So he is fake. He is phony. He will offer you things that look satisfying for a moment but will leave you depleted. He has things that he thinks will satisfy your soul and will build you up. It will give you everything that you wanted, that relationship that you think is going to complete you. He will dangle that in front of your face and it will suck you dry and it will leave you for dead because he stalks you. He looks for weaknesses. He looks for longing. He looks for that soft spot, that, that moment where he can just get right there in between the ribcage and take you out. That's our, God. That's our devil. That's our God. So when you're at the top, he's aiming for your head. It's funny when you're at the top because when you're in a trench, you're fighting. You're on your way up. You're battling. Your hands are up. You're covering your face. You are fighting to get out of the trench. You are blocking. You are throwing jabs back. You are throwing haymakers. You are doing everything you can to fight yourself out of that trench that you found yourself in. However you got there, your hands are up. You're ready to go. You're protecting yourself from the shots, and you are bound and determined to experience victory in your season, in your circumstances, in your situation. Your hands are up. It's funny that when you get to the top sometimes that uh, you're not fighting anymore, so your hands are no longer up. It's funny to oftentimes for Christians and for David, as we're going to learn in just a second, we get to the top, we're all the way up, and our hands are all the way down because we think we've arrived. We think, we, we think we've attained what there is to do. We think we've gotten to where we finally wanted to be, and so now it's like, woo! It's easy city. It's breezy up here. I'm king. So David, he's been fighting his way up here, and he's like, I just can't wait to be king, right? A little Lion King for you. Funny enough, who's excited for the new Lion King movie? It's hilarious because Disney was like, you know what? We're going to make it look real, but it's not, and we're going to add Beyonce to it. They're going to love it. Jeez. I'm excited. Anyways, so David, he couldn't wait to be king. And he gets up there, and the same hands that have been battle-tested on the field, the same 
foresight that he had to look out for bears and lions as they creeped up on his territory to come and rob him of one of his sheep, to come and take money from him, from his job, from his assignment, whatever would be coming up for him to try and steal his purpose at the time, to rob him of his calling at the time, his platform at the time. He was alert. He was ready. His hands were up. And he was ready to fight. So David gets to the top and this funny thing happens in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we're, and we're not going to go there, but I'm going to kind of tell you about it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, something happens. David's been king for a while and he's just enjoying the riches of being king. He's got a wife. His father-in-law is out of the picture. Finally, you saw some of your father-in-law's was bad. This guy tried to kill him. Hi, Scott. Love you. Uh, my father-in-law is here. <laughs> He's great. I love him. I'm very blessed. But here it is. Father-in-law is out of the picture. He's got a wife. He's king. He is sitting there in his throne. He is no longer on the front lines. He is sending people out to do his bidding. He is collecting countries underneath his rule at this time. He has somebody feeding him grapes while he's sitting around. At least I like to think so. Because that'd be the best part about being king, right? Having somebody to feed you grapes. That'd be awesome. So David's up here. Somebody's feeding him grapes. Somebody's running for him to go places. Everyone around him is doing everything for him except using the bathroom because that's physically impossible. Doing everything for David. David's at the top. David reached where he wanted to go. He's at the peak. He is peaking, if you will. And when you're at the top, the devil goes for your head. The devil stalks. The devil prays. And the devil finds a way. He looks for a chink in the army and he is coming straight for you. So David, one day, he's getting up and his morning routine would, I'd go out on the balcony and get even more undignified than this God and I'd be in my underwear and I'd sing, what a beautiful name it is. Except for this time, he'd go out on his balcony and what would be just across the way there? He goes out on his balcony and this is a moment where temptation will come. If your hands are down, if you are not on guard, if you do not recognize that there is a real threat, that you have a call on your life and there is powers of darkness that we can both see and cannot see that want to hold you down from reaching your God-given potential. You'll be like David and you'll walk out there and you go, ah, Oh, the overwhelming never... Hey. There's nobody around. Why am I talking to myself? I don't know. I'm king. I don't have to justify it. And David sees across the way there, there's a young woman. This young woman is naked. This young woman has a name. Her name is Bathsheba. Funny enough, Bathsheba, she also saw in a bathtub. It's kind of funny. But he sees Bathsheba across the way, and it is. Come on, that's funny. I saw you in a bath. What's your name? Bathsheba. What? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> Adrian. I saw you on a doormat. What's your name? Matt. Uh, anyways. <laughs> hey <laughs> The joke sucked. You suck. Get back to the seriousness. 
So David, in this moment where he spent it getting undignified, I saw you on a doormat. Shut up. That's stupid. Uh, so he sees Bathsheba from across the way, and it's funny with temptation, especially now that we have the Holy Spirit, especially we know what God's Word said. Make no mistake about it, David knew the, 12, uh, the Ten Commandments. He knew what was going on. He knew this next line where it said, Thou shalt not cover, covet your neighbor's wife. He knew... Thou shalt not commit murder. David knew these things. Oh, it's murder got to do with it. It gets grim, okay? So David, he has that moment of temptation. Again, we say this all the time, but temptation in and of itself is not sin. It's when you give in to that temptation that sin is committed. Temptation is an opportunity. You can turn and worship God or you can turn and worship yourself and give in to whatever desire you want to give in to. Temptation is an opportunity. It is not sin. You need to know that. So, so David, he looks across the way and he sees Bathsheba doing her thing and I just got to tell you that David, he has a wife. He has a wife and he's been with her since before he was king. He's gone through some wars with her. He's gone through some things. Now granted, she did try to kill him once. It happens. Okay? Let you know. Marriage counseling, David and Jane Vining, it's all good. We got you. Take over marriage counseling. We have it. It's amazing. We'll get you through it. Okay? We're here for the journey. So David, he has his wife. And he had a moment of temptation. It's funny. If you've ever experienced temptation in your life, you'll know that there's a moment where the Holy Spirit checks you and you go, you know what? I should look away. You know what? I should put this phone down. You know what? I should close that laptop. You know what? I shouldn't swipe right on this. I shouldn't even be on this dating app. You know what? I shouldn't be going here. I shouldn't even be entertaining these thoughts. The second a thought pops in your head, if you were filled with the Holy Spirit here, I guarantee you've had a moment where a thought pops in your head and the Holy Spirit was like, you shouldn't be thinking this thought right now. David, he had that moment. He had that opportunity. He could have closed the blinds. He could have left the balcony. He could have ran the opposite direction. He could have went and got some grapes. He could have went and confessed to his wife the thought that popped in his head. He could have lived in open and active transparency. David could have avoided all of these things that followed in this moment. If his hands were up, if he was on guard, and he had the same wherewithal about him to protect his marriage that he had to protect those sheep same wherewithal about him to protect his name like he had to protect his sheep. The same wherewithal about him to fight the battle of being a good and honorable king like he had when he threw that stone at Goliath's head and brought him down. If he had that same wherewithal, but he didn't. He gave in to temptation. He had that split second where he could have ran the opposite direction. You know what happened? Temptation ran to lust. What happens next is even more gruesome. Again, David is known as a man after God's own heart. That's good news tonight, even though I'm airing his dirty laundry, because what happens next is, as king, he knows that he has a wife, and he knows that, even to make matters even more worse, that Bathsheba has a husband. He is familiar with her. It wasn't until he saw Bathsheba in a moment of weakness for him that this became a temptation, that became a stumbling block, that ultimately became an empire in his life. He sees Bathsheba, and that moment of temptation leads to a moment of lust where he orders his people to go and get Bathsheba. He doesn't go and pursue her. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Not that that would make it right, but I'm saying he didn't even do... The, the, the work of going over there. He had people go and grab this woman and bring her to him as if she was an item. 
as he goes. And that moment of temptation leads to a moment of lust. That moment of lust leads to him stepping out on his wife. It leads to not only him coveting his neighbor's wife, him stepping out on his wife, but leads to her stepping out on her husband. Here's two marriages that have now had adultery committed in them. And so that moment of temptation that leads to lust, that leads to adultery. Well, it says sometime later that Bathsheba comes back. This was a one-night stand. It was just once. It was just sex. It was just fire and desire. It was just a moment. I was there. She was across the way. She was on Tinder. He was. It's just a thing because it's human, right? We're human. It's just our passion. It's just our desire. It's just hormones. It's just a need. It's just a want. It's just a getting off. That's all it is. I saw it, I felt it, and I wanted it, so I took it. King David. See what happens next is Bathsheba comes over and she goes, hey, it wasn't just sex. It wasn't just us committing adultery. It just wasn't us going against what God says is best for our lives. It wasn't just that. I am pregnant. I am now with child. So David, so David, a moment of temptation that led to a moment of lust, that met, led to a moment of adultery, now leads to a child. And what does David do? It's not that he goes to his wife and repents. It's not that he goes to Bathsheba's husband and confesses what he has done and the shame that he has brought to his house. No, no, no. David, again, in a moment of power, decides, I'm at the mountaintop. I'm king, baby. Do what I want. Take what I want. Be what I want. Whatever I want. So he says, you know what? Bathsheba's husband, who's not named, I know you're in the army and that you serve the throne. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to send out a little uh, brigade and we're going to go out and, and you're going to be at the front lines. And you're just going to go pick a fight with a random civilization because it's my hope and it's my prayer right now that I would stay, keep your wife, keep my wife, keep that child, and you would die on the front lines. So that moment of temptation, right, leads to a moment of lust, which leads to a moment of adultery, which leads to a pregnancy, which then leads to murder. You see, sin, it... It's all-encompassing. It's not just a moment in time. It's not just a desire that you gave into once that doesn't have any ramifications with it. Because I guarantee if you're in here tonight and you're willing to be honest, like I'm willing to be honest, I've had some experiences in my life where I fulfilled my own wishes, had acted on my selfish desires, did my thing, and you know what? It wasn't done at just that moment. It had outstanding consequences. It had a ripple effect. This stone that I threw into the pond, I thought it was just going to sink to the bottom. No, 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 it rippled across. It changed the entire picture of my life. So here's David. Steps out on his wife, makes another girl step on his, her husband, has a baby with her, has her husband killed, essentially. And this is David, the man after God's own heart. He just got done singing, thank you God. 
right? He just got done singing, thank you, God. Worship team, you can be to make your way up here. He just got done singing, thank you, God, that you have shown yourself faithful to this house, that any greatness that I accumulate, God, is because you want to show how much you loved me, how faithful you were to me. Do you know where you don't see David thanking God? Do you know where you don't see David consulting God at all? The moment he decided to give in to that moment of temptation. He was at the top. He was all the way up. His hands were all the way down. And he was ripe for the picking. His wife had tried to step out on him and and take him out before. And he's gone through a bunch of situations and circumstances in his own marriage and in his own thing. And he's king. He is high on his own supply, riding at the top. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. There was no checks and balances in place for him. He ran rampant at the top. Friends, it's all that to say to you and to me tonight that we have a call of God on our lives. And that calling is going to get us in the conversation. But your conviction is what's going to give you a voice. Your conviction is what's going to give you a platform. Your conviction is what's going to give you influence. Your conviction is what's going to give you dominion over the powers of darkness. It's your conviction that God has more for you than whatever that temptation starts lying to you in your ears. It's your conviction that God's word says this. This looks appetizing. This makes me excited. It's only going to be one time. It's just a moment. It's just a situation. It's just circumstances that I'm going to find myself in. But it's those convictions. You know, I've had somebody tell me before, well, I didn't hear the, I didn't hear the Holy Spirit tell me not to. And I was, I was puzzled, but I wasn't sure it was just because I was a pastor and maybe I had a little bit more Bible knowledge than this individual, but I began to hear this over and over again in my Christian and pastoral journey and I was kind of like, you need the Holy Spirit to tell you something in the moment what the Bible already told you all these years ago when it was written? We have convictions for those moments where we're not hearing the voice of God close. When we're in the trenches or we've dropped our hands at the peaks high, we have convictions to keep us where God has called us. Friends, David was known after the man, after God's own heart. He was a man who said, God, I am consumed. He wrote a psalm and he said, I am consumed. I have been overtaken. I am emphatically convinced. I am endowed with great passion for your house. He said, I am consumed with a great zeal for your house, O Lord. And yet this is the same guy who in a moment of temptation had his name smeared who had sin come to his home all because he did not turn and run the other direction but do you know why he's do you know why he's still the man after God's own heart because David's all of us no 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 I would never do that Matt I would never 
I open my door and I see the guy next door and the shirt off. No, no, no. I'm not going to covet that. That could never happen to me. I got a man. I'm happy in my situation. You don't know that. Unless your convictions will prove that. God, that'll never happen to me. I'll never, whenever darkness comes to my home or whenever something bad happens in my city, I'm never, I'm never going to begin to doubt. That's just not me. I've been in the church for 15 years and I've been going to youth group ever since and I've been raised up in this thing. I had the best parents in the world. That would never happen to me. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is tested. The greater the calling, the greater the cost. There will be things in this life the devil knows that the greater your calling, the larger the fall, the harder the fall, the deeper the fall, the badder the fall, the fallout in the fall. He knows that about you. But just like David, I want to encourage you tonight. No matter what decisions you've made, no matter what temptation you've believed, no matter what your life has looked like up until this point, no matter what your journey with Jesus has looked up to this point, I want to share with you a song before we go back into this reckless love song that David actually wrote as well. Y'all ready for this? In Psalms 23, a lot of Christians probably know it, but I want to reframe it for you tonight. It's this. Because you see, the psalm was written... While David was king, and it's widely believed it was written after following this moment where he brought great shame to his home, he says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's also in every single Bible translation it's known as the Psalm of David. He wrote many Psalms, but this is the only one that's known as the Psalm of David. This is David's song. This is David's banner. This is David's word over his life. This is his pledge to God. This is his declaration. No matter the lows that he's committed, the trenches he's found himself in, or the peaks that he's been on. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Not for mine. Not so David's house could be glorified. But he leads me in righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it overflows. Surely, somebody say surely tonight. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you guys get ready to stand up? Or would you stand up with me right now? We're about to sing the song Reckless Love one more time. And we're going to have a moment of worship where we can reflect on the word that went forth. But before we do that, the song says there's no shadow you won't light up. There's no wall you won't break down. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. Sounds a lot like what David just said. Even if I've committed adultery, you still lead me beside still waters. Even if I've stepped out, even if I've lust, even if I've murdered, even if I've lied, 
Even if I've done things that are unthinkable, that I've never confessed to my shrink, that I've never told my pastor, that I would never mention at a crew during the week, even if I've had secrets on the inside of me from things that have happened to me and things that I've done myself, acts that I've committed. Surely mercy, surely mercy will follow me. His mercy follows you all the days of your life. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, and if you're feeling guilt and shame, He doesn't want guilt or shame for you. He wants to lead you beside still waters. Why still waters? Probably because it's relaxing. Probably because it's really nice. Probably because you've been inside your own head filled with anxiety and worry. And you're worried what your church is going to think of you. And you're worried what other Christians are going to think of you. And you're worried what your husband or your wife or whatever your situation looks like is going to think of you. You're worried and you're anxiety ridden. He lies you beside still waters. And his rod and his staff are not there to maim you or to shame you or to hit you when you're down. They are to protect you when a lion and a bear comes your way. When you're facing a giant, that rod and staff, it protects you. And he will still lead you. Is this not good news tonight? So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, there's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. If there's one thing we can understand from what Jesus did on the cross and what David here is telling us is that there's no way you're so bad that God is going to overlook you, that God isn't going to pursue you, that he's not going to keep running after you with every single thing that he has on the inside of you. There's not too much porn that you could have watched, too much sex outside of marriage you could have had. There's not too many things that you can steal. There's not murder so much. There's nothing that keeps you from being a son and daughter of the Most High God. I know that's real. I know it's kind of vulgar. I know it's pretty for real right now. But you've got to know tonight whether you are trench low in your journey or you are peak high. The devil's going to come at you. You've got to keep your hands up you got to get some convictions about you based on what the Word of God says. Because the convictions of the Word of God are going to lead to the promises of God and the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life. And if you're in here tonight, you need to know that there's a God on the other side of your turmoil and the other side of your trench and the other side of your peak that wants to have a hand in your life, that wants to bring greatness upon you, and he wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you built up. He wants to see you at the peak, giving glory to him. So if you're in here tonight, and you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, but you've been going through it. Maybe you didn't know that he wasn't about shame, but he was about joy and love and peace. Maybe you thought he only wanted to guilt you and condemn you, but you realize tonight he just wants to give you some convictions to protect you, not to lord over you with his rod and his staff, but to lord over you with his protection. That's who he is. That's Jesus. That's why he went to the cross. So if you're in here tonight and you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's your 50th time. I don't care. We just want to welcome you home, and Jesus just wants to have a hand in your life. So if it's that you right now, nobody's looking around, nobody's talking, nobody's judging, this is your moment. Would you just shoot your hand up? Just high enough and long enough so that I can see it. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand, and I see that hand. Is there any other hands up? Then 
what I want to do is this. You can put your hands right back down. I want us as one church family. Nobody goes on the journey alone here. Nobody starts their journey alone here. Nobody celebrates in victory. Nobody goes through trenches alone here. We are with each other always in this. So if that's you right now, everybody in here tonight, especially those of you, the three of you that just lifted your hand, make these words your own, but let's say this together. Let's make a resounding noise around them and let's usher in each other into the kingdom of heaven right now. Let's say, Jesus, I thank you for your protection, for your love, for your plan, for your purpose. God, I lay it all down. You know it all anyways. I'm not hiding anything. I'm embracing everything that you are, that you say, that you have for my life. So from this moment forward, my life is yours. My past is dead. And my future is alive. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, Amen. Let's sing it. I want to encourage you tonight with this that I'll make it quick. I'm uh I'm sick and tired of Christians not walking in their authority. I'm sick and tired of Matt not walking in his authority. I had a week where the devil came for people that I love, that I believe in, that I cherish. And I want to walk in that dominion. And I wonder tonight if there's any other Christian in here that wants to walk in the authority that Jesus Christ went to the cross for. So this is what I want to do. We're not going to stick around long. We're just going to do this right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed again. If you've had a worry-ridden week, would you just stick your hand up? Keep it there. If you've had an anxious week, would you put your hand up? If you've been ridden with fear and doubt, would you just put your hand up? If you're experiencing lack in your life, would you just put your hand up? If you need victory in your season that you find yourself in, would you just put your hand up? All of these things will be put to dead in the name of Jesus. So right now, I just want to pray. I want to speak in authority. Keep your hands up. We're going to believe to receive right now. Jesus, God, we say right now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask for a greater portion of the Holy Spirit to every hand lifted. We thank you for victory for every hand lifted. We say shame, fear, worry, anxiety in Jesus' name. You go back to hell. And we say right now, Father God, by the authority given to us as the church, as the bride of Christ, we release chains in this room and destinies are realized right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.